We're back. We're back. Should we sing? Back again. We're back with another episode of the Bacon Guys podcast. We got myself, Chris Neville, Brady Miller, Trill Kreitzer, and today we're going over the newly released Going Original with Trail, Trying to Hunt Antelope in Arizona <laughs> called Hunting Not Horseshoes. If you guys haven't seen it, Head over to our YouTube channel, check it out. We also have it on our website and an article. You can watch it there. And with this film, we're doing a giveaway. We're giving out a Seek Outside Cimarron tent. Mm-hmm. So be sure to check out that giveaway. You hit the link, and there's multiple different ways you can enter and gain points to winning that Seek Outside Cimarron tent, which is a sick tent. It's a bomber shelter. It's a great tent. Yeah. I had a Red Cliff in that film, but it's it's like the little brother to Red Cliff. It's like the more backpackable version. So Pro- it's probably one of the easiest ones to set up too. Oh, square, by far. Square base. Yeah, square base. Um, tons of room. Like for, for a backpacker for two guys, that's a palace. You know, you could do three pretty slick with the stove, but that Cimarron's a sweet tent. Yeah, and we're going to, for people watching this podcast on YouTube, we'll do a link to the video to watch the full film right here. Check that out. Be sure to enter in the giveaway. And subscribe to the YouTube channel. We're almost to 100K. We're close. What are we? 97. One? I think we're getting about 100 subscribers a day. We're like. so close. I think Come the, on. In, in, into September, we should we should be right there knocking, right? Yeah. October's October. like projected when we should hit it, which would be sick. I think I'm, I'm going to retire after that. Yep. I'm done. <laughs> Hang the plaque on the wall. We won the championship. K. We're out. We're here. You got enough money to retire? We made it. That'd be great. No, just retire from... Uh, YouTube life, you know. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. No, I'm just kidding. But okay. We'll each get a plaque, too. Yeah. You can hang in your office. Because yeah, it was a team kids, effort to get to 100K. My kids are kind of excited about it. They want it, huh? Mm-hmm. They think That's it's right. pretty cool to have some YouTube something or other. That's What's right. the percentage of people who actually have that? You said less, the other day? Less than 1%. Of all the YouTube channels? There's a lot of YouTube channels out yeah, there. Yeah, there is. I even have a YouTube channel. I, I have don't a YouTube use it. channel. Thing. You do? I mean, if you you have one technically too, like the one yeah you were yeah put, I know, but do you put stuff on your personal? Channel? I haven't put one on there since I think two thousand nine. Gotcha. Video on there, but yeah, I used to have a lot of bow fishing videos back in the day. Okay, I think out of all the YouTube channels, I think I looked. There's three hundred, like around three hundred thousand that have a hundred k subscribers. Three hundred though, out of the whole world. <laughs> How many YouTube channels do you think? I mean, oh, there's a lot. Yeah, there's a ton. A billion. Yeah, there's a ton. YouTube's a weird thing. It's like uh, it's been an interesting phenomenon in my lifetime to like not not having the internet when I was in high school to now like seeing what YouTube is. No, yeah. we didn't have YouTube, we wouldn't be able to watch this sick film that you were on trail. Yeah, that's right. Did you like it? I liked it on that one. The intro said uh, trying to hunt. <laughs> I know. <he> just <laughs> Did I give it away? <laughs> he just gave it away. Uh, Neville, yeah. Well, hopefully everyone watches. Everyone's this. watched it. It's been hunt. out for a while. Yeah, it didn't get one. Didn't tag out. So I was I was trying, but didn't didn't happen. So we, we'll dive right into it. Yeah. Yeah, what do you got? What kind of questions you got? How hard was it to draw this tag? That's my first question, too. It was, uh, yeah, somebody posted and said, and I'd have to go back and double check to see if this is the truth, but it's pretty damn close, I would bet, that it's um, almost as hard to draw an antelope tag, or is as hard to draw an antelope tag in the state of Arizona as it is to draw a bighorn sheep tag. Which one would you rather have had? A bighorn sheep tag. <laughs> <laughs> Hands down, yeah, bighorn sheep any day of the, any day of the week, but... Um, yeah, I mean, it's super long odds, and I remember when I did my application, I mean, I always apply in Arizona just because, like, I always buy the, the hunting license so that I can mm-hmm. apply for elk and deer and 
you know, sheep and everything else. So I always throw in my app just to see. And uh, I think I did it last day. It was probably like the last few 15 minutes of the app deadline, to be honest. I just kind of threw in a couple choices. And I remember the first choice being, you know, like kind of a, you know, premiere type thing. And then my second choice just being, you know, a unit I thought could produce something. Yeah. Um, you know, they hadn't killed... I don't know. I mean, you look at harvest statistics, and I don't know what the deal is with that, but they hadn't hadn't had an archery antelope harvested f- the two previous years. How does that make you feel? What? Yeah, zero percent. They don't offer many tags. There's not a lot of antelope in that unit, but um, yeah. I mean, I don't. So you you weren't expecting to draw this tag? No. When you applied for it, no. Like, what, were you, what were your odds? Do you know? I think they were like point zero eight, maybe or point zero yeah. eight. Have you ever drawn a tag with those odds? No. Neither am I. Yeah, I know. When I saw, I was like, oh, huh. I was hoping it was my first choice, but, you know, second choice is what it was. And, you know, I still expected. I mean, Arizona, you you draw an antelope tag. I mean, you still expect to kind of hang the moon, right, be hunting 80-inch goats. But I don't don't think I saw an 80-inch goat. You do any scouting beforehand? Just, uh, you know, e-scouting. Yeah, so looked at the area via, you know, maps and then, um, you know, talked to the biologists, talked to people that had had the tag before, talked to some guides and outfitters that had spent some time in the unit. And, you know, people said that there's some big bucks, and I think there probably is. I mean, there's um, there's parts of that unit that have a lot of pinions unit per country. And I saw some antelope in, th- in that country. I think it could hide a buck, you know. I, th- I think there's probably some big bucks, but... I don't know. And another thing that's interesting is, um, you know, you talk to people about uh, antelope. I was talking to a guy two days ago. You know, there's kind of this underlying current. A lot of people think that those real droughty years, real dry years are, you know, they're phenomenal for deer and elk, but they might be, um, I mean, they're terrible for deer and elk drought, but but might be kind of the best case scenario for horn growth on antelope, those droughty years. Is that true? Because that's what I've always heard as well. Yeah. I thought myself. I hadn't, you know. It makes sense to me because then it's going to push them all to the higher quality habitat. Sure. Right? Yeah. I mean, I haven't put a lot of thought into it. I mean, I know antelope bucks will hit maturity at like much younger age. You know, they say, you know, two, three, three or four, right? You can produce like the biggest antler growth or horn growth of an antelope, but um yeah thinking back on some of my hunts i think some of the bigger bucks i have killed have been drier you know real dry years yeah dry summers and you know last year that unit that i hunted we had really good spring and and late monsoon you know growth i mean it rained every day pretty much that i was there so it it was green i mean it was like it was like ireland (laughs) so when you were when you were e-scouting were you expecting you were going to sit on water um, yeah, I mean, I, w- I was thinking, I mean, they'd, they'd had some summer rains, but I mean, that's the easiest way to kill it. But in my opinion, I mean, you get conflicting, you know, people will say different things, but like, I think. Is it Neville? I, it's I, not the easiest. I it think actually is the easiest, but first they have to come into water. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, they have to come in, but I actually think that's the easiest way to target a, a buck, like especially on a dry unit or, you know, you get a stretch of hot weather with no rain. I think it's pretty easy to target a buck if you can find him and then find his water source because so, they're going to they're gonna go to water. So that was the plan was, yeah, if I could find a big buck, find his water source, I'd set water. I mean, you know, I don't I don't mind sitting water. I know a lot mm-hmm. of people don't like it, but I'm super patient. I can sit all day, dark to dark. doesn't phase me at all. One, one thing I noticed earlier, again, because we had uh, other podcasts about e-scouting and different things we do, you had mentioned you called the biologist again. Mm-hmm. It's a little trend I'm picking up with you. Yeah. You, yeah, you, you try to use all your resources at hand. Sure. Especially, especially with a tag like this. You yeah. might as well do your due mm-hmm. diligence. and. 
Yeah, and you know, it's interesting. If In Arizona, if you draw an antelope tag, they have like a pronghorn society meeting where they have the biologists. And, and this was kind of going on, what, during towards the tail end, I guess, of COVID. So they had this, uh, you know, meeting and I was able to log on and listen to it. And they have all the biologists. So that's like a special thing to Arizona because the antelope tag in Arizona is a special, you know, it's a special yeah, thing. Yeah, it's coveted. And, yeah, pr- pretty highly coveted. But, um, yeah, I mean, I talked talk to the biologist. Um yeah, and I don't. I don't always put a lot of stock or like a ton of weight because I've been a biologist and I, you know, I've been around and I've been in that world. I worked for the state. I know some of the information that a biologist can kind of give you. Sometimes it might be the same information that he's given everybody else, right? So I would say if you're going to call a biologist, you know, do your homework and, and kind of have some areas and some specifics picked out. You know, the more specific you can be with a biologist, it seems like the more open they they are to you because you've done your homework. Yeah, one thing I want to plug right now too. That's why I brought this up. Is we released what a couple of weeks ago, a two-part series on how to actually call a biologist or talk mm-hmm. to him, what questions to ask, and just what you said right there. Do your homework ahead of time beforehand. But it's good yeah. to go check out. Check it out on Go Hunt's website. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I think they can. It's a part a part of the puzzle, right? I don't think that there's like a a catch. I'm my favorite is boots on the ground. Like if oh, I can yeah. if I can put boots on the ground, I feel like I'm infinitely more prepared to to hunt. You know, just learning the roads. And I think you don't when you get into the field, you're not wasting time. You know, and I that's something that I battle quite a bit. Is uh, you know, I've been talking to you, Neville, about my elk hunt, right? That I've got going on. And it's like you know, you can chase rumors. Um, and you can burn a lot of time and days when you could be in an area that you know will produce because you've actually been there and put boots on the ground. So like, I, I tend to, I think you're more effective if you you get a chance, but you know, I didn't this year. And again, it's, I mean, it's, to me, it's an antelope, right? I mean, I, I love antelope hunting, you know, and an 80 inch buck would have been phenomenal and it, I've killed some big antelope, but, um, you know, I just didn't make it down there to scout. I had other hunts. You got down there day before, though, didn't you? I did, yeah. I think it was just the night before, actually. The night before? Yeah, to you, be honest. You did yep. some driving around? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I um, I met Joe, who's our camera guy. I think I I met him down here in Vegas. He flew into Vegas, and we left, you know, mid-morning. And it's not that far of a drive from here. And uh, we spent probably the, the, the back half of the day, you know, cruising roads and looking. And I think – um, the first day, um, I spent quite a bit of time just covering country, just driving and glassing and looking and it was raining. <laughs> so it was raining right off the bat. <laughs> yeah. That first night it dumped. I mean, it dumped hard. So I figured, you know, first day, ton of rain, standing water, every tire track had water in it. I thought I might as well just cruise country and look. And what were you seeing, seeing for bucks? Like what were your expectations? Like you're saying you've traveled a lot of roads mm-hmm. it rained a lot. What's your mindset then? Spot and stock at that point. I'm thinking and this, if this is going to happen, it's probably going to have to be spot and stock or decoy. Um, and I think that's like, if you're going antelope hunting, I mean, we just got back from a hunt, but um, I think you ought, you ought to have, you know, all the, all the tricks in your bag, right? So have a decoy, you know, have a moo cow decoy, have spot and stock, the ability to spot and stock, you know, have some blinds. Um, you know, you got to throw, you might have to throw all your tricks at what, them. Speaking of decoys, what you think is, probably it depends on the time of year too, the most effective decoy for antelope. We talked about moo cow, we have a, you know, a buck decoy, doe decoy. Which would be your first one you always maybe throw out there or try? I think it's real dependent on what you're seeing and like the time of the year. So I think you don't really get into like a at least in my experience, like a good rut until like maybe the tail end of August and like maybe into September a little bit. Um, 
I think if you're seeing some of those bigger bucks, more mature bucks, if they're kind of off on their own, you know, I don't know that a, a decoy of a buck is going to do the trick, but if you've got bucks that are running does and they're, I mean, if you get out and you hunt antelope a little bit, you can definitely tell when those bucks are feeling ruddy. Cause I mean, the, those does will get up to feed off, you know, and they'll get up and round them up. I mean, they're like a sheepdog cutting, cutting oh, sheep. It's the coolest thing to watch. It is cool. They're super cool animal. I, yeah, they're fun to watch. So, I mean, if they're, if they're doing that, you know, it might be a, a buck decoy, um, you know, if it's not, if it's a single buck and he's in an area that doesn't look like you can stock it, you could try the moo cow, especially if there's cows in the area. Um, I haven't had a ton of luck decoying, to be honest. I just, I haven't, I think you have to have the right buck on the right day to, yep. to really have him come in. Like you see in some of these videos where you, you crawl up to the edge, you know, the buck's bedded in a little draw and you pop the decoy up and, and he comes in on a rope, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so on that first morning you went on a couple stocks. First morning, yeah. I mean, first right out the gate, I I mean, we'd driven down the highway. Um, I saw a buck, and I think he had 21 does, I want to say. And he was a, a nice buck. I mean, I don't know. I'm not like an expert, you know, judge, but I thought he was probably mid to high 70s, I'd say. And, you know, after covering a bunch of country, I thought he was probably the best buck. And it, it was relatively close to where we planned to camp anyway, so I thought he'd, be like, be my first play. The other good thing about him is he was kind of up in an area where I had some trees, I had some pinion juniper, and he was kind of out in this valley, but I thought I might have enough cover to be able to cut the distance to, you know, get out there to him. And, um, yeah, that first morning, uh, left camp, drove down the highway, and he was kind of in this little nook between, like, the highway and the pinion juniper. And he was in a really good spot for a stock, actually. So I looped back around, came back down a dirt road, and then just cut in back through the PJ. And the PJ, you know, got me within 300 yards in the first 20 minutes. I mean, it was great because I, I popped out or cl- relatively close to him, and he was 300 yards. And I just started crawling on him. Um, you know, that was actually really close. I mean, I I think I got to 62 yards on that buck. And I, we don't have, like, all the film of that, but, like, I was able to crawl and just kind of edge my way in. And I think some of the hardest – to me, like, getting in range with a bow and arrow spot and stock of an antelope isn't the hardest part. The hardest part is actually being able to get to full draw. Yeah. Because they are so switched on. And, I mean, their eyes are so sensitive. I mean, they say, what, an antelope's got eight power eyes typically and I think they can see the way they're positioned on their head I mean they can see like 280 degrees or something so they can see a lot they pick up all kinds of movement and um yeah I I think the hardest part is getting to full draw I just couldn't get to full draw on him let's get this out of the way here real quick what's that hip quiver you're using trail (laughs) number one question number one question we've all used it we've all used it for a long long time it's yeah, it's so it's, awesome. it's made by Total Peep, so it's a Total Peep hip quiver, and it's just a little piece. It looks to me like it's probably 3D printed, some sort of composite, and it's got a little little uh, knob on it, I guess, and you just bolt your existing quiver that you have onto it, and you can rotate the angle of that thing, and it just feeds through your belt and just sits on your hip, but I, I think I probably got that from you guys, actually. I think mm-hmm. you guys were using it probably a year before I was. But I found it. We've been using it for a long time. Yeah, yeah I... Uh, I don't like shooting my bow with a quiver on the side, especially an antelope where it can, you know, it could be kind of open country and windy and, you know, that worked really well. The only, the only issues I've ever had with that thing is like, if I'm 
you know, sitting down against a hillside, mm. you know, and I don't pay attention to rotate the angle of it. I've yep. stuck a knock in, you know, a hillside. Yeah. Um, that can be troublesome. But other than that, it works really good. One thing I really like about that too, because you can just buy two different brackets. You have a bracket mm-hmm. on the hip quiver and then you still have that bracket on the bow. So you could swap it back and yeah. forth if you need to. Yeah. You can have a quiver on your bow if you want to carry it that way, or you can just pop it onto your hip, which is, it works really good. Mm-hmm. I like it. I mean, I, I much prefer to shoot with my bow without a without a quiver yeah how many stocks did you go on the first day <sighs> um so yeah blew that first one um they kind of ran out into the valley and you know disappeared and then uh i just cruised the unit back to the west and i think i went on two more stocks that day two or three more that day and you know i tried to use the decoy um you know popped up the decoy just to try to hold their attention while i crawled in closer and oh so you popped it up and then just mm-hmm. approach yourself yeah i was just trying to give that buck something to focus on that mm-hmm. wasn't me and I, I think i think that works fairly well too i mean if you're hunting with a buddy you know and if you're maybe he's in a pickup truck or maybe he can you know find a different angle and just use a cow decoy or you know even himself just walk out on the ridge kind of hold their attention and then crawl in because i mean they they'll lock onto something and sometimes they'll just stand there and look at it forever yeah i mean they just are keyed in on that thing and uh yeah i used the decoy and that buck actually came he uh they're super curious so i think he came into like 112 yards but didn't never never got any closer before he buggered and took off when you were were you being like selective on the stocks you do or were you just like seeing antelope going to stock yeah, yeah there's like two see, different approaches see there. a buck going to stock yeah i numbers game yeah, there there weren't enough. I wasn't seeing enough antelope to to make like to be real selective. I didn't feel like on on the stock, you know. I just would see buck going to stock, and you know, based on the kind of the quality I'd seen and the numbers I'd seen, and you know, a day and a half, a day, I guess, a full day, I just wasn't seeing a bunch of antelope. It's not like Wyoming, that's for sure. <laughs> you get your car stuck ever? Never did, but I thought one time I thought I was I thought I was going to because those Arizona roads, my God, if it gets a little rain, yeah, yeah, it's ne- pure never luck. did. I've got that little Forerunner that's got the uh, the TRD package with that's got all the little features where you can essentially like lock one wheel out. I mean, that got me in a, I got me out of a pinch this weekend to be honest. Hmm. Just turn that thing on, just, just off crawls. Yeah, that thing will go anywhere. Highly recommended. Little Toyota Forerunner or, or Tacoma, those are killer. So and after you went on a, you got a question, Brady? No. After you went on a couple stocks, like the next day, where was it? Because then you saw that one buck going into water, or you thought maybe it was going to hit water. I saw, well, it kind of kind of dried out over, you know, the next couple of days. I, I went on a few, you know, just big days, just covering as much country as I could. I saw all the unit. I went back to the east and looked at that unit, and uh, I saw some antelope. But again, it was just like. Um, you know, kind of a mix of PJ, and um, it's really hard to glass them up. I mean, you, I mean, if they're in that PJ, you're not seeing them, you know. So covered a bunch of ground, you know, for I would say a day and a half, just, you know, every stock, every antelope. Um, and then, yeah, I did see one buck. It kind of dried out a little bit. And, I, I mean, I think antelope will still go to water, right? I think that they have a water source that they're used to. I think they'll still – go to water they may not need to but you know i think they're kind of prone to mm-hmm. and um yeah i saw that that group of antelope like farther out in the valley there was a big water hole kind of out in the middle of the valley and uh i thought maybe having problems setting up the blind though weren't you oh my gosh you guys yeah. ever have that you guys don't ever seem to have that issue no 
I set up a lot of blinds. Yeah, I fight blinds, it seems like. I don't know what the deal is. I'm a, a natural. It's like that story, the Christmas story, you know, where he says my my dad was a furnace fighter. Do you remember that? Where he's mm-hmm. like down yeah. in the basement yeah, and he's yeah. just swearing and cursing out the furnace. I feel like that's me putting up a blind. How long, how long did it take you to try to set that blind up? Dude, that one took me a while. Yeah, I don't know what the deal is. It got, I'm trying to remember if it got twisted or something. Here's the thing is like when you put those blinds away, if you... You know, you, you put them away and you close up all the windows, especially those Zenic blinds because they've got like this stretchy material. If you kind of button those things up internally before you put them in, it makes popping them back up easier in my opinion because it seems like I'll have like some of that stretchy material get bound up in something. I don't know. But, yeah, that one took me a minute. One time I set up a blind completely inside out. Oh, really? <laughs> How'd that work? I popped it up and I'm like, shit. This thing yeah. is completely Black. inside out. <laughs> Because, I mean, they'll pop the other way the same way as they'll go. Yeah. Hmm. Some of those new blinds, like uh, the one we just used, it's camouflage on both sides, which was pretty damn slick. I I took a photo. I was in subalpine, you know, on the inside with the subalpine at my back, and, Mm -hmm. like, you pretty well disappear. That water you set up on looked like it was pretty big. It is big, yeah. It was actually two-part, so it was kind of partly fenced in. It had two gates, one on each side. Um the one gate was open, the other one was closed. So I figured, you know, if they are going to come in, they're obviously going to come in through, you know, open gate. So I set up on that one, and it was it was pretty good. There was like a big berm built up at the back of the blind, and um, you know they would have come in to my left, and so I, I set up right there, and I I sat all morning. But you know, midday we had uh, we seen a bunch of cattle. Actually, seen a ton of elk, which is weird. Hmm. I mean, it's Arizona, so it's not that weird to see elk. But like out in the valley, where I was seeing those antelope every morning, I was hearing elk bolt. running I around. Hear, I was hearing cows and calves talking and stuff. And several times, I looked out there across, and I could see elk going through that big valley where those antelope were. So it was kind of cool. But yeah, we had some uh, cowboys come in, just guys that were you know running and checking their cows and stuff. So I mean, we we had cows in and out in the morning, and then uh, there's probably a group of. I'd say eight guys that came in and unloaded a trailer full of horses, and those guys went out and rode that whole valley, <laughs> which, you know, public land, free-range grazing, so I get it. And you said, all right, I'm out. Yeah, said forget this. You know, I'm out of this spot. Pretty well stirred everything up, and then it looked like maybe maybe some more rain in the evening, so I thought I'll just go out and give it hell again. It looked like it rained every evening. It did, yeah. Most nights, like middle, you know, mid-afternoon, late afternoon, it would kind of cloud up and build, and then you'd get just awesome lightning storms at night. Just crazy lightning, which is pretty cool. <laughs> it makes for good photos and good video. That I is mean, true. It is. It was pretty cool to see all the lightning, but not the best for antelope on. God damn it. Mm-hmm. Those antelope. Yeah. Yeah, I had, had one buck, um, one young buck I watched. Um, I think it was like the third or fourth afternoon young buck came out and, and i could see him working this big drainage and uh you know i just thought i'll i'll just make a go at him you know he was on his feet so it wasn't like i was going to crawl up on him you know he was out moving so i just kind of walked and i've done this before there's one thing i like about using a bow with a back bar is you can hold the bow in your left hand you can hold the back bar in your right hand and you can basically just carry your bow you know out in front of you and you can use that top cam to kind of block your face. And I just walked at him. And my brother that lives in Wyoming, he hunts antelope a lot. He's told me that he's had pretty decent luck, like, walking these, like, big diagonals back and forth at antelope and just, like, gradually cutting the distance. 
So that buck I just walked at, and I, I kind of used that same principle, just walking these big diagonal lines where I was gaining a few feet at a time, you know, as I was cutting back and forth. And that seemed to work, and I actually got to, like, 62 yards on that buck. Is that the one where the guy was sitting there staring at you? Yeah. Yeah, and about halfway through, I was probably within 130 yards of that buck, and the buck had actually turned, and he was facing dead away from me, and I was, like, walking at right at him, making really good time and uh kind of peeked back over my shoulder to see if our camera guy was right behind me because i told him just tuck in right behind me and i looked back to check and see if he was there and i could see a guy sitting there was a guy and his daughter she's young you know a kid sitting there and they were just like sitting there watching the whole thing unfold you know maybe 300 yards from me so what was your thought right away um man i I mean, I don't know. It didn't make me feel good, I guess, if I'm honest. Like, I I get it. You know, he's curious to see yeah. what's going to happen. But, um, you know, you want to be a – and you think you're going to always make a good shot, you know, but I didn't want to get to within 50 yards or 60 yards and, you know, make a shot and watch that whole thing unfold, have him watch that whole thing unfold and, you know, potentially not make a perfect shot, which – it it could happen, mm-hmm. you know. You're feeling the pressure of him, huh? Yeah, it just felt weird. I don't mm-hmm. know why, which probably shouldn't, but it did. Yeah, it felt kind of kind of ruined it for me a little bit. Kind of like your moment with that one animal, and it's kind of like mm-hmm. tainted in a way because now you have an audience and you just wanted to be by yourself yep. doing it. Yeah. So you might have, might have rushed things maybe or done things a little bit yeah. faster because you didn't know what the situation was going to unfold. Yeah, I mean, he's got a kid with him. I don't want to, like – you know, hit this thing back and then have a rodeo ensue and, you know, have their experience tainted as well as mine. And he wasn't a big buck by any means, but at that point in the hunt, I was kind of thinking, eh, if he gets within 50 yards, I might shoot him, you know. It was young buck, though. Because how far, it didn't look like you are very far off the road. No, I was 300 yards, Yeah, I would bet. Maybe less. Yeah, it wasn't that far. And that buck was all by himself. And like I said, I think I said in the film, like he just doesn't have a lot of life experience. I don't think he knew what was going on. <laughs> He's like, wow, look at all these. Yeah, look, look at, at this look car at this staring at me. I got this guy walking yeah. at me. Maybe that guy was trying to do me a favor. Maybe he thought he was trying to like take the attention away uh-huh. from me. I don't know. But it, it was just, it just wasn't right. <laughs> it wasn't the right situation for me. Even though he was like, like I said, he was like 62 yards when I finally was like, yeah, I don't know. How many days were you out there on this hunt? I think I was out there six days because we left on that caribou hunt just right after. I, I mm. literally like pretty much drove home and you know got my my gear together and then drove back down here and we flew out. So yeah, I think it was like six days, five or six days. And it looked like the last was that the last day you had your best best opportunity. Yeah, very yeah the very last day. Um, I had I came down the road and glass kind of out over above and i could see these two guys just barely peeking up over the ridge and the one guy had a decoy so i thought i don't want to bug them so i drove up the road i was long, i don't know quite a ways away but i looked out in the valley and i could see that group of antelope with that original buck that i stalked the first day probably the biggest buck i saw the whole hunt and i could see these guys like working you know out there one with a decoy the other guy behind him tucked in and you know decoying i would say i don't know what the odds of of a buck coming into a decoy but i don't think they're very good right so especially one buck with a bunch of does you know mm-hmm. i think I and mean, that's the only antelope i saw in that valley so i don't think he was going to be like you know oh i'm going to go check that other buck out right so i thought well i'm just gonna bump down the valley and i had cover like a long ways out into the valley with those pinion juniper trees and i'll just cut the distance 
and just kind of watched the whole thing unfold. I didn't want to, you know, screw up their stock or whatever. So that's what we did. I drove down the road maybe two miles and just worked my way out through the PJ and just parked myself under this big juniper tree where I could see the whole valley and I could see those guys coming. And they were working on this antelope. I think they probably got to three or 400 yards before those antelope were just like, nah, we're done. And they ran out in the valley I told our cameraman, I said, I'm just going to watch them and just kind of see what they do, get an idea on how far they go. And um, we watched them. They ran underneath us, and they went down the valley, and the way I could see them, they were kind of angling back up into the hillside. And as you got back up into that hillside to the north, there were, like, some rolling pockets of, like, pinion and juniper with some, like, sage bottoms. And uh, I saw them hook their way around into one of those canyons, and I thought, oh, that's probably a really good chance. Pulled up my maps, looked at the aerial imagery, and I could tell that at the top end of that canyon, it kind of funneled out. Like, there was two canyons that came together, and it looked like there was kind of a big opening in the back end of that. So I told Joe, we're going to have to run. So I did. I think we ran for probably – I bet it, it might have been two miles. You miles guys just went on a dead run. Yeah, dead run. Yeah, running. I mean, you call it running for me, but yeah. it was, you know, <laughs> I was running. <laughs> yeah, I ran the whole way, just, just running out through the sage. And I got into that little draw and just hooked it up around. And when I got to where it was like I could start to see just off the other side, just got to my knees and started crawling. And they had done just what I thought. They'd hooked up that basin and they were working right around to me. I had a big dead um, juniper tree that had like tipped over and I just crawled up behind that. And I was ranging the does as they came around and I think they were like 60 yards and the buck was like 59 and there's like one big cedar tree and he had about two steps to take before he would have been totally broadside to me at like 58 yards. And you were like totally knocked? Knocked and loaded, yeah, I was ready. Just all I had to do is draw and shoot and um, he had a couple steps to take and I don't know if they saw me or they saw Joe, you know, behind you, me. I blame Joe. Blame Joe. Yeah, Joe Ratliff. That's you, pal. Yeah. Poor Joe. Always moving. <laughs> I don't know if they saw him or not, but they, uh, yeah, they just, something they didn't like, and they kind of looked around and spun, ran out a little ways, and then they turned and bolted. But, Ugh. and he was two steps. That was it. Two steps. Yeah, that was it. Yep. Damn it. Yep. Then we packed up and headed home the next That's day. That's how it always goes. Archery hunting, man. Close. Archery hunting antelope is pretty tough spot in stock. And like I said, I, I think getting within range of those, if you're persistent, I think is quite doable. It's that last, I think I said in the film, everything has to go perfect. Yeah. I mean, exactly perfect. And then you have a cameraman on top of it with you. Anytime there's two people going on a stock, it is pretty it's damn hard. hard. Yeah. yeah, and that's the other thing. I mean, they weren't really in a spot that I felt like we, I could have taken him somewhere to like film through a spotter. You know what right. I mean? It wasn't open quite open enough with all the, the juniper and stuff it would have been pretty hard for him to keep track of me and and the the goats so that wasn't really an option but yeah with with you and a camera guy it's pretty damn tough yeah pretty I tough got, i got two questions about two funny parts in the video okay let's have it one <laughs> you were you were drinking coffee out of a, a carry <laughs> cup <laughs> so i don't i bought I'd stopped at Walmart and I just grabbed, You thought it was instant coffee or what? Yeah, just like a packet, right? Uh-huh. And I just threw it in the cart as I was going and uh, got out there and it was like, it was grounds, but it was like in, the, in these big packets, you know? In the Keurig cups. Yeah, because like the cups 
yeah, or ground, like, and you put it in the Keurig, yeah. and then it like yeah. puts the water through it. Yeah. So my thought process is, I'll just get some hot water, I'll dump that in there, give it a nice swish, you know, and then Oof. I'll I'll filter out, you know, any of the, any of the grounds. But it was pretty hardy. How are you Cowboy f- coffee. Did you filter it out? Did it look like you? It looks like you poured in the Keurig cup well, and I, just drank it. I, I don't mean fil- Filt- filter. Filter it out filter. through your teeth. I, I meant like let it settle. You know? <laughs> okay, I mean, the sip the top. <laughs> get get to the bottom. Yeah, just let it settle. Use your and, teeth to filter. Drink the top. Yeah, it was pretty gritty. It was pretty gritty. But hey, did the trick. And then, uh, you've never had peanut butter on a cracker. I think I have, but you know how like when you're out, sometimes it just hits. Yeah. Yeah, for some reason, peanut butter on a club cracker that day just Ugh. slapped. Club crackers are the best by far. Was it? I don't think you. I'm trying to think. I hunted with somebody last year that had never had a club cracker. That's what? an idiot. Was it you? Who's, no. That was the me. king of club crackers. He's the really? king of crackers. Dude, I've eaten every cracker you've ever thought yeah. of. I eat crackers I, every day. I ha- I had either. Had to Big a carb guy, camera guy. Then maybe last year, I'm trying to think. Club crackers think. are at the top of, yeah, crackers somebody, for sure. Somebody I hunted with last year was like, "God, oh, never had a club cracker." Might have been Joe, <sighs> to be honest. Come I think on, Joe. that's probably why. It's probably why the reaction was right because uh, you you you're probably asking about you, club crackers. Yeah, He's I'll like, "What's a club cracker?" <laughs> <laughs> I've never had one. It was probably Joe. Yeah, I don't think Joe had ever had a club cracker. But man, club crackers are. I wonder where, the, so where they got the name for the club cracker. Like, do you have like them at the club? The club? Yeah, I don't the know. golf club? You're supposed to have them after the club to sober up. <laughs> is that what you do? No. Just or is it like I a club sandwich, you know, so you can throw anything on there? Dude, that, it, that's exactly what it is. You can put anything on a club cracker. Dude, peanut butter and jelly on a club cracker. Oh, yeah. Ooh, that's a pro yeah, tip. I, I had jelly, too. That's a delicious the, one. Little squeeze yeah. ones? So just like squeeze yeah. a little line on there? Huh. Dude, it's literally a peanut butter jelly sandwich. That is a treat. No joke. Yeah, yeah I, and you know they sell those club crackers now in like the little individual packs. So mm-hmm. it's not like you have to buy the huge sleeves. You can get like one pack. Those are definitely going in my, you know, like when I pack for 10-day hunt and I do, you know, zip gallons of buck bag, like for this next 10 days I'm going elk hunting. That's definitely the, going in there. The club crackers. Yeah, pack, uh, it, pack it of club crackers. That's a dad trick right there, huh? Yeah. Andy, I do make a lot of peanut, peanut butter jelly. I always bring well. a couple of cheese squares too, so. I do cheese squares? Cheese and crackers. Mm-hmm. And I bring salami. That's a I got fucking charcuterie board in my yeah. <laughs> We did eat Carcuterie really good. or whatever the hell it's called. Yeah, that first night, I mean, I made fajitas one night. I did like uh, rice and ground elk, I think, one night, which is pretty good. We ate really good. Yeah. It was, it was a fun hunt. I mean, I, I think for me anyway, like I think about drawing an art archery or an antelope tag, I guess, in Arizona. Like I had much higher expectations than ultimately I think. And I don't know if it's this way across the state. My gut says it probably is, but I, I think it's probably one of the more overrated hunts, to be honest. That's yeah. what I've heard you say a lot since yeah. you got back from yeah, that. Yeah, I'll keep saying it. I, I think I think they, they probably kill – obviously, they kill some giants in Arizona mm-hmm. every year, right? Um, those are probably coming out of, like, some of the better units, and they're most often, I would say, like, a, you know, rifle tag. And, and I think it's definitely worth applying for because, like I said, if you're buying the hunting license, you might as well also apply for antelope for that 15 buck fee. Um, but I would just – I would look at it with, with your expectation. It's not – it's definitely not Wyoming. I'd rather hunt Wyoming. I'd rather hunt like a, you know, mid to low tier unit mm-hmm. in Wyoming, mm-hmm. I think, any day. Do you think there's a lot of pressure put on you because it kind of is such a hard tag to draw too? Like different yeah. thought process maybe went into it than normal because – I think probably less so for an antelope just because, you know, 
Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know if you guys think about it this way, but like in the tier of species that you hunt, I mean, antelope as a trophy for me is a little lower on the tier than, you know, mm-hmm. a big bull elk or a big mule deer buck. Um, so I wasn't like as hung up on it, but I, I think anytime you draw a tag that's tough to draw, you definitely have a different vibe about it. Like your expectations are higher. All right. Yeah. And even though they, they, they probably shouldn't be, you know, for a hunt like this, like, uh, you know, an Arizona antelope tag, maybe they shouldn't be that high. Yeah. And I, I made a classic mistake that I tell people all the time, like keep your expectations in check. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> Got me, yeah. 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 You're, you're looking for an 85-incher. I mean, I've killed, yeah, I mean, I've killed some 80-inchers, so I was hoping to find something real special. It never did. And not yeah. that that mattered, you know. I don't right. really care that much. But Low draw odds units don't always mean giant trophies walking around everywhere, and it's easy. For sure. Yeah, they definitely, it's, it's not a same for same. It's still hunting. Yeah. A lot of cows, though. Yeah, tons of cows. And I saw I saw a lot of elk, man. I saw a giant bull. The one day, we didn't get video of it, but uh, I was looking at some, some antelope, and I'd seen a water hole, and I was kind of picking the landscape apart just to see what could potentially be maybe coming into that water hole, if that might be the hole that those bucks were using. And uh, saw a giant bull, like 370-plus, just, just <laughs> above it. So out there sweating it out with the antelope yeah man which also made me think uh, this is probably i don't i'm trying to think if i want to give this out or not i probably don't you want, you want to hunt that unit yeah i mean it's a damn tough unit to draw an early tag but you can draw late tags in there with you know a handful of points maybe a few more and i think based on where i was seeing these elk in you know end of august september I can't imagine that there's not going to be some bulls in a similar type of terrain come right. November. And I think I think elk would be not pretty easy, but they would be easier to hunt out there, you know, than than maybe some of the other late hunts. I'm going to jump in there and create point creep for yeah. trail. Let's with all my prob- with all my giant amount of points did, in Arizona. Yeah. Let's do it. Probably just did. But yeah, I I think an elk tag in that, whether it was early or late would be might the late hunt might be pretty damn good. Could be. Hmm. What do you think some of your biggest lessons you learned from this hunt or things you could have done differently looking back now or hmm. what would you have changed? Um, can't change the weather, obviously. I mean, if you could, that that would be my first, you know. <laughs> hot and dry. Hot and dry. I think hot and dry is the best case scenario for antelope hunting. And I don't think it hurts your spot and stock at all, really. You know? Yeah, because you're not looking for, oh, it needs to be quiet ground, it needs to be need moisture. To be, yeah, I mean, antelope's number one defense is their eyesight, right? I don't. I think you need to be quiet like you need to be with any species, but I don't mm-hmm. think it's nearly as important as it is as their eyesight. I mean, their eyesight's everything. They just pick up movement so well. So I don't think that, like, having rain is really going to impact your ability to spot and stock. So I, I would say hot and dry, if you can pick out a window, if you've got a week to hunt, right? Um, I would say pick the hottest, driest days that you can. You know, I think that's going to help you with, with antelope hunting. I think they're going to be more closely tied to water, which makes them easier to scout, whether you set water or spot and stock. So I would say that's probably one thing is pick some hot and dry days. Um, one of their lessons, I guess expectations would be one. You know, if you just because, like you're saying, if you draw a tag, even though it's got low odds drawn, you know, even though Arizona kills some giant antelope bucks, you know, just keep your expectations in check. Um, 
And then I guess for me, I had a bunch of other hunts throughout the fall. So, you know, I was trying to put time and effort into scouting multiple hunts, but, um, you know, if I could, could have got down there and I could have got boots on the ground, I would have avoided probably quite a bit of driving and probably quite a bit of days that I just spent covering country that I should have probably covered in July. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah. And that's not always an option for people. Yeah, you don't, definitely you, not. I mean, you don't know that until you get out there. I mean, there were antelope in these areas that I scouted, but once I, you know, that first day, but once I got out there, I was like, yeah, these aren't antelope I'm going to be able to hunt, you know? All right. And they weren't a bunch of them. They were just a few. And I didn't see anything big out there anyway, but you would have found that all out if you'd actually got out and got time in the field. Those are prob probably my biggest lessons learned, I would say. <laughs> and you learned peanut butter on a club cracker tastes pretty <laughs> damn good yeah and i learned peanut butter on a club cracker and i learned put your blinds away a little better next time before you break them out so you don't spend i don't know half hour 20 minutes trying to put the damn blind up what do you think of the name of the film i liked it well, that was good we got that from you bud yeah yeah it's at the very end what do you, you said uh yeah. Close only counts in horseshoes. Yeah, horseshoes and hand grenades. I yep. guess that's the saying, but yeah, only horseshoes. That's the thing. I should have, uh, remember you and I, we found a horseshoe on our hunt. You're supposed to throw that over your left shoulder for good luck. I didn't find any of those, but. That was it. Yeah, I like the name. I like the name of the film. And overall, you know, I, I like the film. I thought it was, I thought it was good. I thought yeah. it was shot really well. That's a very good representation of an antelope hunt. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think we missed like some of the because some of those stocks. I mean, you guys know you've hunted antelope with a bow before, but some of those stocks are long, long. <laughs> I mean, you're crawling on hands and knees, and you know, army crawling for hours and hours. And I don't know how you really depict that in an antelope film without yeah. making it just boring. Yeah, this is show. <laughs> this this is showbiz. We're making it more entertaining. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but there's there was a lot of that. A yeah. lot of army crawling for yeah. hours and hours. I'd say that's probably in like every every film. Mm -hmm. Like most of the stocks that you see in the video are, you know, a minute or two and it's little snippets of it. But yeah. for the most part, a lot of those stocks are They're real grinders. A couple hours of sitting, waiting, crawl a couple steps. Yep. Wait for a doe to put her head down, you know, waiting for the next opportunity to move. I mean that's the other thing. I mean, a, a buck with does is so much harder to hunt. You know, like if you can find a big solitary buck, that buck's way more stockable than a buck with 21 does. Obviously, it goes without saying. A lot. Yeah, those eyes. eyes are so powerful. They're damn hard to hunt when they got a lot of does. Yeah. Fun hunt, though. I mean, it was, it was a fun hunt. I, um, I'll, apply, I'll apply again in Arizona. I don't know that I'll apply for – wouldn't apply for that unit again just based on the numbers that I'd seen. But, um, scratch it off. Yeah. I'm trying to think is Arizona's on a once in a lifetime for antelope. Is it? I don't no. think so. Yeah. It ought to be maybe <laughs> based on the number of permits they give. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Desert sheep though. Tag. I wish it had been a desert sheep. If you could have swapped it, man. Oh, that's sweet. Next time. Next, Next time. time. I always think it's funny. Like, do you guys ever, I don't know if you're, you're this way, but like, seems like when I draw a tag that I'm not supposed to draw, like I don't have the points to draw, it's always an antelope tag or a bear tag. I'm like, hmm. when's that lightning going to strike? And can it be like, like a, a really bison cool tag. tag or yeah. a bighorn sheep tag or, you know. It'll happen sooner or later. I don't know. Probably I, not. I might not live nah. long enough to see that happen, but it'd be, be sweet if I did. If I could just trade all my elk points in for deer points, I'd be Shut up, pretty. Jeez, just give me your elk points. We'll do a swap. Yeah? Yeah. How about okay. it? 
I got a pile of elk, I got a pile of elk tags or elk points I got to burn one of these years. Yeah, one of these days you're just gonna be the elk, elk guy. Mm -hmm. So if anybody wants to check out hunting, not horseshoes, it's on our YouTube channel, on our website. Also, don't forget about the giveaway. We'll have a link in the description. We'll have a link above for this YouTube video. We're giving away a Seek Outside Cimarron tent. I think we have like a couple more weeks to get entered into that to win. But yeah, check out the film. Subscribe yeah. to our YouTube channel. Brady, Brady's going to hit you with the promo, the podcast promo. Broadcast promo code. All right, he's folks. The best, he's the best promo read we got. Get your voice on. Get your radio voice on. All right. yeah, I haven't been talking a lot this, should do this like, podcast. We should, so. we should do, everyone has to go around and do the promo read like every podcast and it's like has to be in a different accent. A different language. Yeah, a different language. <laughs> different language. <laughs> Not even speaking. I can English. barely speak the English language as it is. I like to mumble a lot. All right, guys. So, yes. Promo code time. So, we want to help you guys out. Put the tools in your hands to make you a more successful hunter. So, use promo code PODCAST. Sign up for Insider. It's going to give you 50 points to the go in gear shop. So, you can get everything from draws, filtering 2.0, gear rewards, point tracker, you're going to get Go Hunt maps on the web and on mobile. Promo code podcast, 50 points. So that's $50 back to the gear store. If you just want our maps only membership, Explore, use promo code podcast. That'll get you 20 points to the Go Hunt gear shop. And with Explore, you also get access to point tracker and gear rewards as well in the gear shop. So no better time than now. Pick up tools you need. So get maps, get insider. Even start preparing for the following year. You know, we're getting to that point where. I'm also yeah. thinking about 2023. So yeah, isn't that crazy? Not, not even, not though, even really into your hunting. It's season. not into hunting season yet, but I'm already thinking about it. I know. What tags am I going to draw? All I'm, of them. I'm All excited. Them. I got big plans, boys, for coming up year. And you guys crushed it with the promos today in the intro. You guys are polished. Promo code podcast. We either give you a fifty dollar bill or a twenty dollar bill. You choose. Not a real bill. A real bill. <laughs> Neville will send you real money. I'll send you real money. What a, what a guy. Funny. What a guy. Because <laughs> he's got it like that. Yeah. But awesome. Check out the film. It was a good one, Trail. Hunting not horseshoes. Yeah. Don't, uh, you don't always get one. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll end it on that. End it on that. You don't always get one. Good advice, Trail. <laughs>